OT Immersion is a full day in-person experience that I'm hosting on the Gold Coast on Saturday the 18th of November this year. And I am so excited to have you a part of this experience. If you feel ready to immerse in some soul nourishing occupations for yourself, and if you are craving connection with a group of curious OTs who are also committed to their own transformation, then this is something you're not going to want to miss. Throughout the day, we will explore occupation-centered practice, the art of occupational therapy, and we're going to reconnect with our own sense of well-being. You're going to walk out with a renewed sense of self and also a certificate of attendance that can contribute to eight hours of professional development. If this feels like something that aligns with your body, mind, spirit, and where you're at on your occupational therapy journey right now, then come and join us. For more information, head to the website otlifestylemovement.com and you will see the event tab. Click on that and have a look. Join us. All right, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the OT Lifestyle Movement. This is for the occupational therapy visionaries and the ones who see things differently. We're moving our profession forward through living and leading a truly holistic lifestyle. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the OT Lifestyle Movement Podcast. I'm Rhiannon Crisp, occupational therapist, creator of the film Finding Me in OT and founder of otlifestylemovement.com. Today, we are talking all about addressing planetary health through our occupational therapy practice. And we are speaking with Kayan Hess. Kayan is a senior lecturer in occupational therapy at Oxford Brookes University in the UK. She is the curriculum development and implementation lead for embedding planetary health and environmental sustainability for occupational therapy and interprofessional learning. She's passionate about research, scholarly activities, and supporting student projects in the intersection of human and planet health. As an alumni of University of Cape Town, Kayan has enjoyed a diverse clinical career supporting the health and well-being of adult service users with frailty, mental health, neurological, and general medical conditions and challenges both in South Africa and in the United Kingdom across acute, community and charity settings. Welcome, Kayan. Thank you for having me. It is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I am so excited about this conversation and to share it more widely uh, with occupational therapy practitioners. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks for inviting me. What we always do at the start of the podcast is always rewind the clock a little bit to find out a little bit about your journey and how you came to do the work that you're doing today. So if we can step into that time machine, I'd love to travel back and find out a little bit about you and how you came to do the work that you're doing today. Well, if I think all the way back, how I ended up studying occupational therapy um, in the University of Cape Town, it was being a 18-year-old seeking to look at working with people, uh, helping people, 
Um, and when I was reading about occupational therapy on the university information where it said the art and science of helping people, that was what really drew me into it um, because um, I felt there's a lot of potential. Um, and I particularly like the fact the arts bits, not just the science bits, um, that the kind of permission to be creative and um, to go outside um, usual kind of thinking what, what healthcare boundary might look like. Um, so that's how I got into it. Um, and um, yeah, since then, practiced in South Africa for um, a bit in acute mental health, where um, I worked in um, a, a unit where it, it it's called male admission unit. So my um, clientele, my service users were working age adults. Um, and, um, and yeah, I learned a lot about mental health there. Um, also learned um, to question what is normal um, a lot there because of um, the, the individuals I was um, working with. And in fact, actually, in many ways, they are my normal um, um, as opposed to, um, you know, kind of um, the stigma that's quite attached, I think, um, potentially with people who have got um, mental health conditions. And then fast forward a little bit, I uh, moved to the UK, um, work in the NHS um, in the community as a um, elderly community OT. Um, and I remember all those days back, I was the only one that will cycle to go and see uh, uh, people at home. And my manager used to laugh that, yeah, you're the only one that I have to sign off cycling miles as part of their, you know, because everybody else would be driving around um, to to get to their visits, um, and yeah, and and I think that's probably in itself planted the early seeds of me thinking about sustainability. And this is before I was aware that the Wilford has published guidelines for us as a profession to call occupational therapists into action to um, become more sustainable in our practice. That's this is even before I came into academia um, at Oxford Brookes University, and um, since being here, um, there's been a a drive um, from our local uh, regulatory body to say, you know, we would we want to see it in the curriculum. Um, you know, here is um, uh, permission to be creative. There's no directive or. These ones have to be in there, but you know we really think it's it's important to be in there. And I was the person in the team that put up the hand and said, "Yeah, I will look into that. I will explore it." And um, here I am, you know, about at least kind of a couple years into doing this, uh, and still feeling very much very passionate about it. But also, there is a lot to do. Um, um, uh, um, on, on this issue um, and getting more people. We need to get more people involved in um, in doing this. Mm. Yeah, right. That, it's interesting listening to your story and how you were initially drawn to the art of occupational therapy and you're very much in the science part of it now. Um, but knowing that we can inject this creativity into our work, um, I 
I stumbled across your work from a paper that you have co-written with Tanya Reitman uh, titled Moving from, uh, Moving from Theory to Practice in Occupational Therapy Education for Planetary Health, a Theoretical View. When I saw this, because I was doing my own research into this thinking, oh, like, I wonder if there are any other OTs who are writing about the environment and sustainability and planet health. And I thought I'd struck gold when I came across your article. I thought it was brilliant. And I would love to dive into it more because it questions and challenges so many underpinnings of occupational therapy and how we currently know it. Um, and I, I'd love to ask though, initially, initially, was there anything that inspired you? I know you said um, you started writing and cycling to work and these sorts of things um, came up, I suppose, and you know, are different to what other occupational therapists are doing, that we don't sort of question the status quo of getting in the car and just driving to see the people that we work with. It's just how it is. Um, but was there any other specific experiences or events that really sparked your interest in sustainability and the environment? Like, is this something in your own personal life that you really embody and that you embrace and um, it's really just this natural organic flow on effect into your professional life that you start questioning, hmm, you know, what can we be doing as a profession or what did this look like? I what listening to your question there actually i thought who it's actually my student who inspired me um about two two years ago i had a group of msc students um on the project with me collecting um data on ally healthcare students views on you know what do you think of environmental sustainability in your curriculum um do you think it's important um are you concerned about climate change? And, you know, are you being taught on this? And what would you like to be taught on this? Um, and that project led me to understand that students are very concerned. Um, there's a big majority that is concerned and are doing what they can in their personal life, but they are also... Um, really wanting some guidance professionally. And then I came across a paper also actually in the Australian Journal of OT, of which this paper is published in, um, saying that, you know, therapists also concerned, but not entirely sure how we do this. Um, so there's that irony there where, you know, the Wolford had published guideline, I think roughly, um, in, in the early 2000s, um, so it's at least been about 10 years or so. And here we are still grappling with what does it actually mean for me, a practicing occupational therapist? So, um, and, and therefore me and Tanya Makofa, we started thinking about, well, what is it that we know are already important to occupational therapists? that we can, um, in a way, piggyback on, but really give it a environmental sustainability focus. And which is why we coined the two um, professional reasoning type, specifically related to um, 
environmental sustainability, the environmental reasoning and the sustainability reasoning, where we wanted to take something that all OT students get taught or therefore all practicing occupational therapy um, practitioners are familiar with, but then really giving it a um, uh, sustainability focus by highlighting some uh, key aspects that should be attainable um, across, um, you know, as a universal enough thing that we can all do. Mm. Mm. Okay, yeah, so this is getting really down into the practical sort of elements, I suppose, and um, what you're what you're proposing in your paper, which is the um, re-looking and having a look and de- really deeply thinking about our reasoning, about our clinical reasoning processes. And you're proposing, yes, the environmental reasoning and sustainable reasoning. Um, Did you want to explain what this is? Because, you know, we know that the clinical reasoning refers to just the thinking processes that guide our practice, that guide our assessment, that guide the interventions that we choose, that guide everything that we do in our work when we're working with a person. So how do we then go from that to okay, well, now we've got to think about environmental reasoning and sustainable reasoning. What do do they mean and what do they look like? So in in terms of the existing professional reasoning before us proposing these two, we already have things like pragmatic reasoning, uh, where a lot of practical things get considered from and some people argue you know kind of small p politics within your practice context would go under there um and um also you know what is and it's kind of related to what is the best possible in relation to the person that i'm seeing as well as the context i'm working in and we looked at that and said, well, we need to extend that idea from that very immediate, direct um, clinical interaction of an OT process with service users to take into account the much wider environment, um, which obviously very much related to planetary health, that we need to consider those things as well as we are making um, decisions. Um, And in, in a way, we're wanting to capture some of the things that we know occupational therapists are already thinking about in their practice, such as, you know, I'm making this decision right now for this person and prioritizing them in this particular way. But I also have in mind of how does that affect the continuity of my service? Can I still, will I be able to fairly uh, provide this uh, equal services to similar other um, service users as well. Um, you know, near future, in the distant future, we already think about these things, but it's not, it hasn't until now been pulled together um, to connect more in a concrete level with um, sustainability. Mm. So what does, if we're to pull apart the environmental reasoning, what does that mean? 
and how do we use it? So this is what um, in the paper we refer to it as the novice or beginner basic level um, in relation to environmental sustainability. And this is where we are asking the question, what does it cost the environment if we propose this particular intervention or a particular therapeutic action um, in an OT process that we normally would be applying as an OT? Um, we also, so we're asking, you know, not only what is the gain and benefits to the individual that obviously we are there to see and provide a um, a service to, but also on the other hand, what does it mean for the environment to do it, to, to provide this particular um, intervention? So in a very um, concrete sense, the kind of um, thinking I imagine a, a therapist would be engaging would be about uh, looking at carbon footprint of um, intervention. You know, are we thinking reduce, reuse, recycle um, in in relation to, for example, um, equipment provision? Um, so at that level of um, thinking about um, uh, those things, which obviously we want to move on um, and uh, in in the sustainable reasoning where we actually asking for more and and the the particular piece there is to con consider the triple bottom line um um which is about you know what is the social impact what is the environmental impact what is um the economical impact of um the intervention that I'm thinking about. And this relates to the answering of a question of, am I providing um, the optimal um, level of sustainable healthcare um, as an occupational therapist? Mm, mm, it's really interesting because, um, you know, I, I haven't read anything like this before and another very um, sort of another underpinning that you really bring to question is the idea of person-centered practice. This is something that, yeah, you go into. And I want to read a little excerpt from the paper that I've got here just to give everyone a little bit of an overview so that they can understand um, this because this is mind-blowing you know for OTs it's like dun 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 you know questioning person-centered practice like where does this leave us so I found this really opening and um, yeah I, I found this starting to affirm and validate a lot of my thoughts that I was having around moving from our very individualistic centered practice and worldview to a more collectivist and um, a worldview that considers not only the yeah the person that we're working with but also the groups and the communities and the the ripple effect to the whole ecosystem and the environment um, so let me read out this little quote Healthcare-related environmental sustainability and climate justice cannot be achieved without challenging the current format of person-centred care. 
there is a need to question the individualistic worldview inherent in blanket acceptance of the concept of person-centered care without reconciliation for the inequitable and disproportionate environmental impacts of marginalization, oppression, and exclusion. In all, and then you go on, there's a little bit more, and then you go on to say, in order to transform from the discourse of individualistic orientation of person-centered to collective rights and responsibilities, curriculum designers, educators, and students of healthcare professions must find the courage and determination and be armed with knowledge, skills, and attitudes to ask disruptive questions and seek change. It is time to rethink the ethical implications of individualistic, person-centered need and foreground the need of wider society. Boom. <laughs> there you, we have it. There it is. Talk to me about this. Like, did you feel a little bit rebellious, challenging such a deeply ingrained concept within our profession? Have you had any backlash? What what have been people's have people embraced it wholeheartedly? Like, what has been um, the response to this? I I think I'm I'm still waiting to see what the wider um, international community thinks of of um such a, a a viewpoint um and um and 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 this is where i i i, I you know i would say this this is where i really love my students because i bring them these ideas as well they're the future generation of of the profession and i i look and i see you know what are their reactions as well um so yeah let's talk about this point which is about you know, is it time, is it really not time we, we think how much the individual is right in the middle of quite a few of the models that we've been using, um, you know, um, and um, because in the context of, um, of um, climate change, planetary health, everything is connected. So, can we really put human right in the middle, right in the center, um, with, without a higher degree of consideration of how we engage in occupation in our daily life that impacts on the environments um, and, and, and climate change? Um, I think my, opinion, my, my humble opinion is I don't think we can afford to do that. To continue to, to, to just what is the point if we are here so done so well to provide a service for an individual at an individual level when there is not a healthy planet, a healthy environment to support that person to continue to engage in their um, health giving occupations in the future. For me, this is in a way an ethical dilemma. If I know what I'm sending my clients out to engage in daily occupations um, to in an environment which is degrading, and and I find it difficult not to think about that, um, um, and 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 that therefore, you know, as a profession, we need to 
start actually coming up with some ideas of practically how can we address that? What is our unique um, contribution to to this whole, um, uh, uh, you know, kind of very interconnected effort of um, trying our best to um, to to make a positive change? And I think for me, because we we care a lot about occupational justice as a profession. And that would be unquestionable, I think, um, um, in, 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 in a lot of contexts. And where we say, yes, we want to make sure people have equal opportunities to uh, access to uh, what they um, have reasons to value to do and therefore have the opportunity to um access to health and being uh, health and well-being as well as reach the human potential um and actually that i think is really well connected to the idea of climate justice as well on the other hand because occupational justice is saying it's actually de describing kind of more on the individual uh level context well at least relatively to uh climate justice in relation to the, the issue of environmental sustainability um, and it is in the beginning to call us to to actually look at um, structural factors that impact on people's opportunities to access. Um, and yet, you know, actually, on the other hand, climate justice is saying um, not everybody, you know, is actually affected equally. Um, so there's a justice issue there as well. There's the um 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 you know not only for now but actually even in the future generation and i think as a profession that you know care about ensuring people have um equal access to occupational participation by extension i i'm hopeful i believe that we care about people being able to do that in the future as well um and the change in the climate is threatening that. So therefore, um, that's this is where the uh, beginning where I start to question if we think, um, it, is it not time that we actually really get ourselves to uh, what I call, you know, bi-directional questioning as, as uh, almost spontaneously as we consider, what am I doing for this person? Um, ensuring it is of benefit, we are immediately turning our our um, ourselves also to consider what is what will it cost the environment as well, so that we um, and in doing that, I believe we not only care about you know trying to care for people now, we also trying to care for people in the future as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, understanding that there is a link between the person and the environment like you you affect the person you affect the environment like there is it's this whole ecosystem that we all are a part of um and, and i think yeah and and i think it's so bread and butter to us as ot's where we think of about the optimization of the people the environment and the occupation we are all, no matter what, who we're working with, where we're working, we're seeking a optimal fit for the service users that we are uh, providing services to. So 
therefore, um, I think we there are unique opportunities for us um, in considering how this all comes together, not only now, but also potentially in the future. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the bi-directional questioning. What, so, so it's, looking at the individual and what their needs are and then looking to um, how whatever intervention it is that we co-create with them, how that then impacts the environment. What, um, you know, can you give us maybe a little case study or a little example of how we can shift from this person-centred care to widening our lens to a more collectivist understanding and awareness and using this bi-directional questioning Um, because I can imagine a lot of OTs including myself are thinking okay you know this sounds great and wonderful and yes I'm all for environment and yes I'm all for sustainability and I want to go out and tomorrow when I start work or today when I see my first client I want to I want to start making change Um, So what are some practical strategies for OTs who want to start using the the new types of reasoning, so environmental or sustainable reasoning, and then also um, start maybe evolving from person-centred care? I think that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? (laughs) And and this is why we are so confused about, well, how do we practically do do all of these wonderful things that, yes, we all believe in, we, 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 you know, a, a lot of us buy into it, but we just don't quite know how. Um, I think the answer is in all the steps of the OT process we would want to take normally, even before, you know, we, we um, you know, from the beginning of occupational therapy, where you know we're already thinking about, um, so in a very basic sense, in your decision making, every steps of the way of um, um, in the OT process. So if we start from the beginning, which is, you know, we obviously need to look at the referral and go, you know, okay, so this is my client, this is what their their health condition is, this is you know roughly where they live this is where their their um um um, their their situation you know we often we say okay you know in our heads we are using an ot conceptualizing model to look at the person um and i think no matter what model you may use um is to bear in mind the um um the environment um, in 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 that situation, but uh, tips two in relation to that is you know actually as you're considering this person's um, 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 their condition their personal factors ask yourself how does um, is there any potential impact of um, climate change on this person's health because we know that um, um, you know there are um, you know, air pollution could link to respiratory issues, cardiac issues, extreme heat, um, you know, with dehydration, therefore um, urinary tract infection, for example. Um, 
actually those are thinking, you know, already actually you're considering about um, environmental there already about, you know, what is the health, potential health impact of um, 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 climate change on this person? And as part of my working with them, are there things I need to consider in terms of adaptation? So as 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 um, uh, you were reading out uh, an introduction on me, you know that I'm an elderly OT um, once upon a time. You know, they, 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 I remember that, you know, actually, you know, in extreme weather, we, we have notice coming out in the team saying, it's going to be very icy today, or, you know, it's going to be very hot today. We need to talk to people about making sure they're drinking water, staying hydrated. So the, all of these things are already there. And therefore, actually, in those sort of um, places, you kind of think, well, how do I continue to provide the service if my service user is going to be too scared of falling to come out to the clinic to see me um, because of icy condition? Um and um and um you know what kind of you know educational conversation may i have with this person knowing those factors um which is very much already with us probably more and more frequently now and then there's another step where you know uh, um um obviously you know then it goes on to for um individuals who are interested service users yeah, we can get on and have conversations as well about sustainable lifestyle in relation to the particular occupational context. You were going to work with them anyways. Um, right. And, you know, if not, there's still things to think about in terms of how do I make sure the service I'm providing is lean, as efficient as possible, um, and, you know, there goes my funny example of cycling around to go and see individuals by arranging all my visits in a particular way. Um, um, so, you know, there are things we can do as we consider the individual, um, think about assessment, think about conceptualization. There are things that we potentially can discuss um, in conversation with um, service users. And there are also opportunities as we think about the wider picture of how our service is provided. Yeah. So and, I, and I, what I want to say is um, there are lots of opportunities and it's about picking one and start with that um, so that it doesn't feel like such a big daunting thing, you know, for a busy practicing occupational therapist. It is pick one and, and start there. And then, you know, as you get more comfortable, as opportunities arise, and move on to other things as well. Mm, yes, yeah. And you're right. I think it is, it, it can be overwhelming and there's so many different avenues that you can take. Like you said, you can look at your own organisation and your own business and have a look at the single-use plastics and different things that you have that you're constantly throwing out, whether they be masks or um gloves or who knows you know and can we use other things that are more sustainable um and then also working with our clients and like you said whatever we're focused on in the therapy whatever their goal is based around maybe having conversations around sustainable lifestyle options and eco-friendly products or um different ways that they can do the same occupation 
or using different tools. Um, yeah, I, I love or, this. Or also considering, you know, is um, are there opportunities to also include nature-based things, green things, you know, um, and 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 also, you know, you know, for example, is active travel a, a um, something that we can consider, you know, if we're saying, you know, we want to work on community, you know, reintegration, socialization with people. Mm, yeah. Growing your own food, community gardens. I mean, it's, it's limitless and endless. And I think the OTs who, who are already at this stage in their own personal journey of implementing so much in their own life um, will probably already have a lot of great strategies to use um, with the people that they work with. Um, I suppose a question that I have though is, let's say that there is a conflict between um, what the need of the person is that we're working with and this idea of what's sustainable or what's environmentally friendly and, you know, pro-planet health. Um, you know, what if there's a conflict between this? How do we navigate it? How do we even sort of come to the conclusion that this might be the case and mm, how do we go mm, about it? Yeah. Because this would happen and, all the day, yeah. every, you know, all the time in everyday practice, you know, we're, it's a constant. Um, but I suppose as we become more conscious about it and more aware, uh, yeah, I suppose it'll start to ring more. Um, little bells in our mind every time yeah I think in in my mind perhaps we aren't doing anything different in in the sense of um we there's because there are different levels of which we can take action that makes us a more sustainable occupational therapist so I'm, and I know I've had conversations with students and also practitioners where they 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 certainly potentially a, a discomfort around. Well, what if my person aren't interested in these things? And and, and the um, and and that's actually where we do see a potential head to head between: Do I care for the environment or do I care for the individual? And I I I want to encourage. Um, people who are listening to not see that as a fight. It, it doesn't have to be. Because if you think about the different levels of which you can act, yes, we can't control whether this particular, uh, your service users, whether they are very interested, very pro it or not. And in, in and, and, you know, and, but we can control the way we, um, systematically provide services as we are thinking about making sure I'm helping people to understand how to self-manage the conditions, making sure I'm taking um, the most optimal um, options in relation to car carbon in, in the way I'm going to provide services. Those things are within your control as an occupational therapist without what even thinking about is my client going to be interested in having a conversation or not? Um, when it, we're com coming back to the client, but which is I can see where I mean, um, where the most discomfort would be in 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 relation to having such conversation is 
And that's where our therapeutic user self comes in. We, you know, are listening into what they're saying to us, their interests. If you kind of, you know, hear any, um, you know, if anything they say to you makes you think maybe this is, you know, potentially an idea to talk about, you obviously would go ahead. Um, and then if you, you know, get, get pushed back, they don't seem to be very interested. We would obviously say, okay, let's move on. Let's, let's um, you know, look at alternative things. And I would also suggest um, in the context of, you know, as we are talking about um, working on a different area of self-care or socialization or um, uh, work productivity, et cetera, we can bring up, you know, uh, options of have you thought about this as an option? What do you think about, um, say, for example, what do you think about um, uh, going on a bus um, to meet up your friends as opposed to this? Um, and see, you know, so it's about providing opportunity is it's it's where you hear that there's an opportunity to talk about it. And it's very much, you know, still interactive reasoning there of, okay, this person seems to be interested. Let's carry on having a little bit of that conversation and see where it goes. And if it's not, then, you know, we step back. We still, you know, continue doing everything that we would normally be doing. So I think in summary, what I, what I want to say is because there's so many avenues and options of which we can make an impact. We shouldn't need. We shouldn't need to worry about. We're not going to be necessarily be able to do this with every single, single client. Um, and um, and, and um, but I my trust is that as this become more and more of an issue, being discussed more and more um, in media, we're seeing the impact. We I would imagine we will see um, clients actually potentially are going to be wanting to talk about these things i wouldn't be surprised that you know we're going to be seeing an increase mm. yeah i think i think that's true and i also think that we still like many much of the western world still operates in this you know it's about me and you know i want to get to my goal and this is the quickest way to get there or the best way for me um and so i think i think it's a challenge but i think it's so needed i think uh there's an urgency um because the way the world is headed at the moment um i don't think it's all doom and gloom but i think you know we definitely have the knowledge and the technology to make positive change and i think we need to make the change now and i think as a collective as a, a group as a community of occupational therapists we can certainly um, start, you know, I think of how many OTs there are across the world, you know, if we all start making small changes in our personal life and in our professional life, whether that's going to our workplace and having a chat with our manager and talking about little changes and different ideas that we can infuse into the workplace, um, you know, because there's just, it, it, there's so many different um, places and spaces that we can create these small changes for us, for our workplace, and also with our clients. So it's sort of sort of this multi-levered, multi-leveled, multi-layered um, approach that you're talking about. So yeah, um, I'm wondering for the occupational therapists 
who are aspiring to make more of a positive impact on planetary health through their practice, are there any other bits of advice that you can give them based on any other OTs that you've seen who've started implementing certain things? What, what's worked? What's, um, what seems to be the best sort of things that they can pick up and run with? Um, any other? I, I think if there are anybody listening out there wanting to uh, do more of this, my number one advice is go and find your tribe. Go and find a group of like-minded people because that is where you will hear about examples, what people are working on, and also be supported um, 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 with doing the things that you are interested in, in doing. Um, and there are actually examples of um, uh, of of um, OTs doing, you know, work on, you know, sustainable sustainability as well um, um, that are available. So, you know, for example, um, there's, you know, if you look online for um, uh, Center of Sustainable Healthcare, there's an occupational therapy page on there with resources and examples um, for people. Um, and, um you know, some of the example I have seen that I felt was really uniquely OT um, is, for example, green walking, um, which is done in mental health setting. I certainly know that um, is the case in the UK here where I'm working, um, where actually in that project, not only the service users benefit, the um, staff that went with, you know, that also went on the walk with the individuals um, also benefited. So, and, and that's the other thing that actually, as we think about practicing sustainably, um, it not only actually benefits potentially the people that we are providing the service to, it also put, um, benefits the, the multidisciplinary team of which we are part of. And I think, there is an opportunity right there of advocating the value of occupational therapy of what we can bring because of our um, unique focus on looking at environments and how environment can enable or hinder someone being able to experience health and well-being through their everyday um, uh, occupations. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was just reflecting then on my own practice. So I am a mobile pediatric OT, so I uh, see children and families in their own homes and I use a lot of the natural resources that they already have in their home or in the daycare setting or the school or wherever I go and visit them. So, um, you know, it's not necessarily about buying and purchasing more and more equipment and plastic toys and plastic balance beams and different things mm -hmm. when we can go outside in nature or into the park or in their backyard and use the, the sleepers and the logs that they have in there and balance along them. Or I, I, I suppose we get to be so creative with what we can do because at the end of the day, when I leave, all they have is their natural resources or whatever it is that is in yeah. their environment. So I think 
really um, being mindful about what we purchase for our practice and what we're using um, is one thing. And then if we do want to use, um, you know, purchase resources, thinking like, can we go to the um, the Salvation Armies or Vinnie's or the secondhand shop and purchase some pre-loved toys and goods uh, because there's just so much, um, so much waste in the toys and um, things that are manufactured uh, that we really need to be thinking that recycle, reuse um, and not always purchasing brand new things. I think there's something to be said for that as well. Yeah, I think um, I think what you pointed out there is ha kind of having sustainability consideration in our procurement in the services that we provide um, and also thinking about um, how we can use existing resources to provide the services that we um, we need to provide. And so it's about mindful use of resources. Um, and, and I think that is uh, the key so that, yes, of course, there will be time we do need certain equipment, certain things that helps with what we are providing with our clients. But it's about being mindful um, with in how we come by it. Um, mm. and, um, and, and also I think what is the beauty of what you just said there around using the things that children may have already in, in their natural setting also means that once you left, you know, the carers who've watched what's happened in the, in the intervention, the children themselves, they could go and use those resources again and actually in, in a way enable uh, more therapy happening um, between the sessions. Uh -huh. So, in, and, and again, so in, in that way, yes, you're thinking about sustainability on the one hand, but actually the benefit of doing so um, can be multiple folds. And which is in, in this case, I think it's, it's touching on, ensuring um you know kind of a higher degree or of you know effectiveness of the intervention 100 mm -hmm. percent, and that's actually my initial reason why i do it i suppose the sustainability part is a secondary thought um yeah. but yeah i certainly choose to immerse myself in the natural environments of the people that i work with because you know that's their life and that's what they have um, and I know that when I go, they can continue to practice and work on whatever it is that we were doing in that session. And, yeah. you know, reflecting on this sustainability environmental approach though, as well, I'm also leading by example. So for example, if I bring in my plastic toys and balance beams and all the things that potentially they could do at home without all my plastic goods, if they saw me bring them into the home, you know, what are they going to do? They're going to say, well, I need one of those. I need one of these. I need one of these. And they're going to go out and then purchase them. So it's also this leading by example, I feel, you know, if I show that I can use the natural resources and that they already have everything that they need to support themselves or their child, then they're just, they're going to use that. They're, they're not going to think they need to go out and purchase more things. You know, consumerism is crazy um, in terms of how much we feel we need to buy and buy and buy to keep up with things. And 
um, yeah, I think leading by example can be a really positive way to show. I, I, I think leading by example is really important in our profession because, you know, we are all human in our all, all of diversity as multiple a, um, uh, um, occupational therapists worldwide. And by us doing what we are doing, the future generation of occupational therapists, the student coming to um, work with you on their clinical um, experience are also learning. Mm. So therefore that becomes the bank of their skill based on having watched you in, in their experience, you know, Oh, I've seen the person I work with um, before do this, you know, I can try and do that as well. So that, and, and that's where, you know, Yes, I think that that's where it gives me a lot of hope of what we can do as an individual um, because it isn't just staying with us what we do. Um, it's a slowball effect of collective action. And, and I think that's where, um, yeah, we know, we yes, we are little individual, little pieces of puzzles in the, the bigger collective. Um, so that gives me a lot of hope of um, what we are capable of um as a profession together 100 mm, percent, and that knowledge translation yeah mm. are there any specific tools or resources that you have or know of that are available for occupational therapists who want to incorporate sustainability and environmental considerations into their work so i think for top resources i would say go and have a look at the world federation occupational therapy uh, documents on the guiding documents on sustainability. Um, that is definitely the first thing I think anybody who's interested in doing more should be reading. Um, the other place I would also look is, uh, something called, um, Center for Sustainable Healthcare. Uh, look at the occupational therapy specific page on there where they, um, talk about example. Um, and also you can access um, any related documents as well that, um, 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 for sustainable OT there as well. Um, I would also mention with them, there's something called sustainable quality improvement that you can learn about. Uh, I think this is a really wonderful tool that we can arm ourselves with um, as occupational therapists. I think it potentially give us the opportunity to become leaders in sustainable change in our organizations. Um, so I think that's worth looking at um, for anyone who um, have quality improvements in mind, who want to develop their leadership skills as well and combine that with sustainability. Mm, amazing. All right. Kayan, we have three rapid fire questions before we round things up for this episode. Um, the first question is in one sentence, how do you describe OT? How do I describe OT in one sentence? I think occupational therapists are the artists and the scientists who look at enabling people to do, to be and become um, 
uh, a fuller um, human beings of a version that they want to see themselves. I love it. Love it. Number two, what's one healthy lifestyle habit listeners can implement today? Cycling, if you <laughs> if you can, or walk, um, if if you can. Um, so that's not only active travel. It obviously it touched very closely to my heart um, in terms of sustainability. Mm, awesome. Number three, if you could only offer one piece of advice to OTs, what would it be? We don't need permission to be as amazing as we are. We um, need to be uh, brave to really show the true value of occupational therapy. Mm, I love it. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Kayan. That was so enlightening. And I know that it will be received so well from occupational therapists from all over the globe. Um, do you mind telling us again the title of your paper? So those of those occupational therapists who want to look it up, who want to read the paper and really dive into all the different concepts and things that we brought up in today's episode can dive more deeply into it. Sure. So the paper is called Moving from Theory to Practice in Occupational Therapy Education for Planetary Health, a Theoretical View. This is available from the Australian Occupational Therapy Journal and um, it is open access. So that should mean that anybody uh, who would like to look, in, uh, look at it should be able to to see it and obviously I welcome any feedback any further conversations um, and you will be able to access that uh, via that paper to contact me mm, amazing thank you so much thank you for putting this out there into the world you and Tanya it's amazing it's inspired me it's given me ideas and thoughts and um, you know there's so many ways that we can now as occupational therapists start to move with this so thank you for putting it out there it's so appreciated thank you for having me that's it guys i hope this episode resonated with you but more importantly i hope it inspires you to take action if you did enjoy this episode please share it with your ot besties and if it feels aligned give a five-star review on the podcast platform that you're listening on because it really helps us connect with more OTs. If you hang out over on Instagram, come over and say hi. You'll find me at Rhiannon Crisp. We also have a Facebook family that you can come and join and you can find us simply by searching the OT Lifestyle Movement in Facebook. Carpe diem, guys.